0: You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Probiotics, a lot of hype or can they really help our patients? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me today is Dr. Lynn McFarland, Affiliate Associate Professor at the University of Washington and member of the VA Puget Sound Healthcare System in Seattle, Washington. Thank you for being with us, Dr. McFarland.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: Tell us a little bit about other uses of probiotics other than diarrhea. We hear about them a lot for diarrhea, but where else might we see them helping our patients?
1: One of the surprising things I think I found over the past 20 years researching probiotics was the fact that probiotics are effective in things that are are outside of the GI tract. We're quite knowledgeable in knowing that how probiotics can help GI infections that cause diarrhea but it's surprising that we've also found it's also very effective in other fields. One field has been in the field of allergies. Children that have eczema or atopic dermatitis have been shown to be quite benefited in the the use of probiotics. So these are basically children, or what's interestingly, even mothers who are breastfeeding, and the mothers take the probiotics and the effect seems to be passed through the mother's milk into the child. And it actually persists over over two years, so the child is protected from eczema. And these were all placebo-controlled, randomized, double-blinded studies, so the mothers and the babies, of course, didn't know what they were taking. So it's interesting to see your probiotics not only help protect the colonization of pathogens, but also seem to have an effect with your immune system.
0: That's it. Is there any postulated mechanism for that? Because that's fascinating.
1: There are a lot of immunologists who are working with microbiologists to come up with the different systems. And what we find is that the gut flora is one area which actually stimulates the immune system. And so there's a whole gut-associated immune system that is triggered by things that you absorb into your intestines, through your intestines, and these antibiotics and antigens get distributed throughout your body and can actually help combat allergies, things like asthma or atopic dermatitis, and kind of help regulate your immune system. That's one mechanism also of how we think it's effective in inflammatory bowel disease.
0: Mostly in children with the allergies, or have have there been any studies with adults?
1: For atopic dermatitis, it's all been in children. There have been a couple of studies in asthma with using adults, and they have found that it's been protective for adults that have asthma.
0: Can you tell us a little how it has been used with inflammatory bowel disease?
1: There have, yes, there have been 26 randomized controlled trials for inflammatory bowel disease. That's sort of tough because either inflammatory bowel disease is made up of patients that have either Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And it has not been as effective as other forms. In fact, most of them have been negative. But where it has shown extreme good success has been in the cases where you have palchitis. And people that have ulcerative colitis often, it's so severe they have to cut out part of the colon or even remove the colon itself, and you end up with sort of a, a fake colon and they make a pouch out of part of the intestine, so they take a loop. The problem is is that you get bacterial overgrowth and you develop what's called pouchitis and you can't absorb nutrients. Probiotics have been extremely successful in helping normalize bacterial flora in these sort of artificial pouches that become your new intestines. And that's very promising because people are very sick when they have to get the pouchitis surgery and this helps them recover and live a a long and healthy life.
0: That makes beautiful sense to to think about how that would work and what a wonderful thing to be able to help in that difficult situation. So allergies, atopic dermatitis, a little asthma, inflammatory bowel. How about vaginal candidiasis?
1: Again, yeah, that's something that any disease that you can think of that has a mechanism that involves an alteration of your flora. Probiotics have at least a chance of working and interfering with that. There have been some Studies using women who have had developed recurrent vaginitis, and the success rate for that is, is about 45%. So it's not as strong as other studies, but it has shown promise. And it either can be your probiotic can be either taken orally or given as uh, vaginal suppositories and seems to be quite effective. Actually, only one probiotic has been extensively studied and that's a lactobacillus acidophilus. So the other types of probiotics, again, you don't go out and buy the yeast or the lactobacillus GG and think it's good for vaginitis. This specific probiotic is good for this specific vaginitis.
0: And does that carry over to uh, similar thinking with oral thrush or has that not been looked at?
1: That has not been looked at as well. There's been a couple of preliminary studies, but nobody's really done a good randomized controlled trial yet. So we don't really know, unfortunately.
0: You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lynn McFarlane from the VA Puget Sound Healthcare System in Seattle, and we're discussing the use of probiotics in medicine for indications other than diarrhea. Are there any other particular areas that either have been looked at or people, you think people will be starting to look at in terms of probiotic use? There
1: are some other areas that people have looked at. They don't have as the, quite the support of the number of randomized clinical trials. But as I said, this is a, a fairly recent area of, of research here in the United States. But probiotics have been tried for peptic ulcers to try to displace DubioBacter pylori. About half of them work and about half of them don't. And it's also, interestingly, it's also been tried to lower cholesterol levels, but this is a specific yeast, it's called a red yeast, and it was mind-boggling to try to figure out, well, how can little probiotics lower your cholesterols? But actually, the red yeast produces 7 to 10 different types of statins, and when you want to lower your cholesterol, you take something like levostatin. It's actually the red yeast produces, and levastatin is one of the 10 statins that it produces naturally. So it's the natural source of something that we are typically used to buying as a prescription
0: drug. Very interesting. And I imagine since it has that statin mechanism, do you want to watch for liver and muscle side effects?
1: right. Right. So all the side effects that you would look for with levastatin you'd want to look at with the red yeast.
0: Economically, there's certainly a big reward for companies that bring prescription drugs to the market. Is there that same reward for probiotics such that we will see for the research and development?
1: There is an enormous benefit. There's an enormous market out there for probiotics. It's grown globally about 10% per year and if you look at globally, it's, I think it's reaching about $200 billion sales for probiotics globally. And in the United States, it used to be about $100 million globally. But with the advent of there's one product that made $120 million last year as a probiotic. So I think it's, the time has come. In the United States.
0: Definitely, there's that economic incentive for further research and development. Let's generalize a little bit. I, I'm so happy to hear you talking about randomized, placebo controlled trials looking at these questions. Whenever I think about dietary supplements, I wonder are these fly by night operations? You said some could be made in, in the bathtub as opposed to in a reliable factory. Do you have any general advice for us as healthcare providers in picking and choosing? dietary supplements in general.
1: have a good reference resource that you can go to. The easy thing to do is look at the label and see, are they making health claims that are not allowed by the FDA? So the problem with these fly-by-night people is that they tend to get a little too greedy and grandiose. And I've seen labels saying cures cancer, cures AIDS, is good for the kitchen floor. It's the kind of thing you want to go, wait a minute, let's just put this one back on the shelf. If they give the daily dose, and how many organisms are present in there if they give the genus and species and the strain of organisms, showing that they know at least what they should be putting on the label. Again, check for the manufacturer. Make sure it's a reputable manufacturer. Check their websites, although some of the, I must admit, some of the websites look very slick, but if you look at them and kind of go, have these people done any randomized control trials? No. Okay, is this a strain that is supported by randomized controlled trials? No. So only select probiotics that are supported by randomized controlled trials.
0: You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lynn McFarlane from the VA Puget Sound Healthcare System in Seattle, and we're discussing the use of probiotics in medicine for indications other than diarrhea. And Dr. McFarland, is there a consensus in particular conditions in terms of dose and duration of treatment the way we would see with an antibiotic or any other prescription drug? Or are there various regimens that are competing and and there's no consensus? It's
1: tough because the doses have varied widely, but if you look at all the studies and you look at meta-analyses, which take all these different clinical trials and try to make up a a global statement, we find that there is a dose effect where if you need to take at least 10 to the 10th per day, if you take lower than that, that's just not enough because most of the probiotics die on the way into your intestines. So by the time, if you take 10 to the 10th orally, about 10 to the 7th may survive in the gut and so you need a high level in your gut to actually work. And the duration varies upon whether or not you're taking it for an acute disease versus a chronic disease. Again, like if you were taking it for traveler's diarrhea, you'd want to start it a couple of days before your trip, take it during the trip and a couple of days afterwards. If you're taking it with a broad-spectrum antibiotics, You'd want to take it as soon as you can when you start the antibiotic and take it at least for two months because it takes about eight weeks for your normal flora
0: to recover. Any particular cautions that you would give to people, to healthcare professionals, in terms of advising the use of these probiotics? immunocompromised patients, diabetics? Are there other things we have to be careful of?
1: Again, consider for immunocompromised patients to at least be considered to remember to look for maybe fungemia or bacteremia. At least monitor if they have a favor of unknown origin. You want to make sure that the probiotic is not in the blood. But again, that's very rare. A wide variety of people have taken the probiotics that have had other kind of comorbidities like heart conditions and diabetic patients, and that seems to be fine. In fact, we've, patients that have had AIDS survive quite well, and helps it helps their diarrhea, some of the probiotics. And it's been Given to children it 's been given to children in underdeveloped countries who are very ill it 's been given to elderly people it 's been given to housewives. The nice thing is that most for the most part people tolerate it quite well. but remember drug interactions if you 're giving a antibiotic you don 't want to give it the same type of probiotic that 's going to be affected by that antibiotic. Again, none of these have been tested in pregnant women except for the probiotics that have been given to the new mothers who were breastfeeding. And they they had no problems. So um, I'm not concerned about the pregnancy problem, but it's just not been studied in clinical trials.
0: Well, probiotics seem to be a very exciting area for use in different types of diarrhea. We heard about vaginitis, uh, eczema, atopic dermatitis, inflammatory bowel. You just have to be very careful with them. And let me put in a A word again about resource that might be helpful for healthcare professionals, The Power of Probiotics, written by Gary Elmer and Dr. Lynn McFarland, who we've been speaking with, might be something good to have in your office. I want to thank Dr. McFarland as we have been discussing probiotics. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com.